0: All right. This morning, as we uh, begin, we're going to start at the beginning. or pretty close to it in Genesis chapter 2. And this is the account of Adam and Eve. The Lord God took the man and he put him in the garden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. The Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the field and all the birds of the air, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found so. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. This is God's word. So, how is your love life? Are you single? hoping to meet someone to live happily ever after with? Or are you uh, newly married and you're still filled with wedded bliss? Or maybe you're a married couple who are exhausted from the demands of work and parenting, and maybe, just maybe, marriage is kind of slipping a little bit. Or maybe, hey, marriage is doing pretty well, but you don't want to run the risk of going through the motions. Perhaps you are empty nesters who have realized that it was the kids who largely held your family together and now that they're gone, things have kind of changed. Or are you a parent or a grandparent concerned for the marriage of your child or your grandchild? Or are you divorced and trying to figure out what went wrong and how not to endure that pain again? Are you none of the above, and yet either struggle with or want to help other people who are struggling with relationship issues? Well, whoever you may be, I pray that over the next four Sundays, that with God's great help, that this message series on marriage matters will do us all some good. Now, even though the topic is marriage, it is my aim that there will be something for everyone, whether you're married or not. And I'll tell you, I've been a pastor for 21 years now, and I've always kind of shied away from preaching on marriage. I think maybe I've touched on it maybe once or twice in 21 years, and here's why. Although I love the subject, I really do, I've never really felt uh, qualified, I guess, for the task. And I certainly don't want to come across as some know-it-all expert, because my wife will tell you I'm not. In fact, after almost 32 years, I think I'm just now starting to get the hang of it. But like I said, I love the topic, I love to read about it, and I do. I study up on it, I listen to podcasts about it, and by the way, anything by Tim Keller or Andy Stanley on marriage is just awesome, and so, with the help of a lot of great material from marriage counselors and authors and ultimately God's Word. I really do feel equipped and ready to go. So let's get into it. Here is where we are headed. Today, I'm going to talk about getting our marriage priorities straight. Next week, uh, we're going to be covering what commitment in marriage is all about. And then on Valentine's Day, I'll share the big secret and a lot of little secrets about what happy couples know. And then we'll wrap it all up by looking at marriage as friendship. So priority, commitment, secrets, and friendship. Sound good? great. So that first things first, I'm going to state the obvious. I am a pastor. I am not a professional marriage counselor, nor do I play one on TV. I am a pastor, just a pastor equipped with God's word. And so what you're going to hear over the next several Sundays uh, about marriage is going to be based on God's word. And I'll tell you that God's word isn't always the easiest word. And I'll tell you, That God's word isn't always the most comfortable word. But I will tell you that God's word is always the best word. Uh, Because marriage, after all, was his idea, he invented it, he created it. He's also the lawgiver. Don't forget about that. He's also the lawgiver and he is sovereign, meaning he knows all. He knows what is best and God wants only the best for you. God loves you and God loves marriage. God himself officiated the first wedding. So it all starts with God. He creates Adam and it's good. Adam is good. But hmm, something's not right. It's not good that he is alone. And so God makes a wife for Adam. In fact, he makes a wife from Adam. And she wasn't made out of his head in order to top him, nor was she made from his feet to be trampled upon by him, but she was made right here, right out of the side, to be next to him, to be next to him, right near the heart's. And God makes a wife for Adam and he brings her to the man and Adam declares, Whoa, man, that's where the name woman comes from. Whoa, man, that's right. Eve, you are the only girl in the world for me. Think about it. <clears throat> Adam breaks out in poetry. He breaks out in joy. He says, at last. He's brought all these animals. You know. Forget that noise at last. God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adam and Eve, perfect couple, literally made for each other. Then God says something very important. And Jesus is going to say the exact same thing. Okay. And the apostle Paul is also going to point to it and repeat it. And so these words are really important. If everyone's saying them, here they are for this reason. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and they will become one flesh. And I'm going to come back to these words, but from the get go, this is God's plan for marriage. Step one, one man, one woman. Step two, leave mom and dad. Step three, get married. Step four, become one flesh. You know what that means, right? Right. There's God invented a special hug husbands and wives. Have fun! Have fun! And if possible, make some more just like you. That's the plan. That's the order. This is how marriage works best, doing it God's way. Now, this order is really important because if you turn the Genesis page, you're going to see that the first couple took their eyes off of God's way. And they chose to do it differently. We're going to take matters into our own hands. God said, don't eat from that tree. You can have all these trees, but do it this way. Don't eat from that tree. And of course, Satan tempted them, and they fell for it. And they took the bait, and sin came into the world. And sin is still very much a part of our lives and a part of our marriages. Sin has been passed down from daddy to mommy. All the way down to Adam and Eve, generation to generation to generation, we're born with it. And so, wow, baptism, ha, <laughs> ha. Right, baptism. But we still tend to go our own ways, don't we? Sure, we've come up with different ideas for marriage, all kinds of ideas. Um, we have ways in which we think are best. We've updated it. We've, we've, we skip steps because we like our freedom, don't we? We don't want God telling us what to do. But imagine you took such freedom when it came to your car. Uh, The manufacturer, the creator, the inventor of the car, gives you an owner's manual, and in it, it says that you should put oil in that car and get that oil changed about every 3,000 miles. And of course, the maker knows best. But what if we just didn't care for that word of instruction? No thanks. Oil is so old-fashioned. Oil is so yesterday. I'm going to put Mountain Dew in there instead, whatever. Now, I'm no mechanic, but even I know that that car eventually, maybe sooner than later, is heading for a breakdown because it just wasn't designed to work that way. But here's the thing. If you turn one more page in Genesis, you go to the third chapter, and you see that God doesn't leave Adam and Eve uh, alone, stuck on the side of the road, No. He promises a Messiah. He will send the ultimate tow truck. Triple A Jesus, right? He will send the ultimate mechanic. Oh, it's a beautiful promise there in Genesis 3. Already, he said, I will send my son. And he will crush Satan's head because you're going to need forgiveness and lots of it. And Jesus would even lay down his own life so that we could have life for eternity, yeah, but also for the here and now, like right now, in all areas of life, even especially in marriage, and oh, how we need Jesus. I mean, order is important, and so it has got to begin with him. God has to be at the very, very top of our love list. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul all your mind, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment. You want to have a rock solid marriage that stands the test of time, then bring Jesus in. Have him be the number one priority in your individual life. And your marriage will only get better I believe this quote from C.S. Lewis to be very true. He says, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I shall love my earthly dearest better than I do now. No other before him. Jesus in first place. Now, I am the father of five. Yeah. We didn't know what we were doing. No, we knew exactly what we were doing. Yeah. So I have a boy, and he's 16. And he has four older sisters. Yeah. And so I pray for him. <laughs> and I pray for all my kids every night. I pray for their spouses, for their future spouses. I say something like this. I say, Lord. And I've, I've even said this. "I won't, Kids, I won't tell you which one, but I've even said this. Lord, you got your work cut out with that one. But will you, in your good time, send them a spouse? But send them someone who is after your own heart. And God has answered that prayer for my oldest daughter. She was married in October, and I was so proud to walk her down the aisle. And I love this picture, but I'll tell you, it's fake because I am like, I look calm and cool. And I am not calm and cool, I am freaking emotionally. Dads, if you've ever done this, what an honor. You know, and you dads who haven't had that honor yet, whoa, get ready, get ready. And, and, oh my gosh, when I saw the groom, that's when I really lost it, is when I saw the groom looking at his bride. It is so amazing it's a crazy feeling to look at someone looking in love on the one you love with that kind of love. And I put their hands together, right? And I didn't say much because I was kind of barely get the words out. Um, but I think I said the very most important thing that I could ever say to them. I, I, here's what I choked out. I said this. I said, stick close to Jesus and to one another. And have a great life. Then at the reception when I, I got to speak, the best man's speech. I did lose it. I, I'm not a big crier. I'm really not. But boy, oh boy, I did that night. And in my head, I'm having this debate or this you know this thing as I'm talking to the. Couple and all my friends and relatives are standing there, and I'm getting—it's getting weird because I'm (laughs) like—and I'm like in my head, it's like, knock it off, you big baby, you know, all that. It's so emotional and so wonderful. Well, here's how this works. I call this the ultimate love triangle. God is at the top, and as the husband loves, learns, and lives for Jesus. The husband is going to grow closer to God. Same for the wife. As she loves, learns, has Jesus number one in her life. She grows closer to God. And here's the cool thing. As they do, as they grow closer to God, they actually grow closer to one another. Let me say this to all the single ladies. All the single ladies, all the single ladies. And all the single fellas. Go after someone who is heading closer to God. Grow closer to God yourself. (laughs) All right? You also keep seeking God. Put and keep Jesus in your number one and you work on being the kind of person that you'd like to marry. Does that make sense? Be the kind of person that you want to marry. You want to marry someone with a rock solid faith life, who seeks God daily, who is sold out for Jesus. Yeah. Do you want someone who has the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of a guy or gal who is kind and giving and and faithful? Yeah. Then be that person yourself. If you're single and you want to get married someday, become the kind of person that you want to marry. Make Jesus your number one priority as you prepare for the person who's going to take the second slot in your relationship order. More on that in just a bit. Let me take a time out for this first question. What if it's too late? What if you're already married and your spouse is not interested in that and it's not a Christ follower? To you, I say this. Love your spouse. Honor your spouse. Cherish your spouse. Who knows? Paul writes, how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? Pray for your spouse. Keep loving your spouse. Amen. Okay, the best move in marriage is to get the proper priorities in place. Follow God's plan, get the order straight. It starts with God, and I don't mean simply a belief in the existence of God as some intellectual exercise. Check. No, 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 no. I'm talking about relationship. Like have a personal connection in a relationship with Jesus. You want to keep worshiping Him, loving Him, uh, learning from Him, in the Word, that kind of a thing. That's the very first step. Find someone who is after God's own heart. Second step, find someone to marry. Easy. No, not really. Because guess what? Second time out, you're never going to find and marry the perfect person. You won't. And that's more than okay, because perfect compatibility is not only boring, it's impossible. The moment you marry someone, you and your spouse begin to change. You can't help it, you just do. And you can't know ahead of time what those changes are going to be. And so you don't know, and you can't know who your spouse is actually going to be in the future until you get there. And so as you both change, you're not going to be able to always perfectly see eye to eye. And this is going to cause a little tension, maybe a lot of tension. And so you're going to need how to learn how to uh, resolve conflict. And I'm going to save that uh, discussion for the next couple of Sundays, so stay tuned. But back to the relationship order. God is in the number one spot. And the next in line then is your spouse. Do not put your spouse in the number one slot. No, 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 no. They are not God. They cannot do for you what only God can do. They could never live up to that expectation. A lot of people put on like, when they say, oh if I get married then all my problems will be solved and my heart won't hurt as much. Basically you're making this person a God, an idol, someone who's going to fix everything and make everything all right. Don't do that! They can't be God. They can't. One, it's unfair to them. Secondly, you will be incredibly disappointed. They cannot save you. They cannot create a new heart within you. Do not make your spouse your God. It's unfair. No one can live up to that. And so God has to be first and then spouse. Second, don't overlook this. Now, next to our relationship with God, Marriage is the most profound relationship there is. And let me put it another way. Your spouse is to be the highest human relationship you have. No other human is higher than your spouse. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, not united to his job. Not united to his buddies. Not united to his TV. Not united to his golf game. United to his wife, a woman will leave father and mother and be united to her husband. Not united to her kids. Not united to her parents. Not united to her girlfriend. Not united to her career. United to her husband, your primary human relationship has to be your spouse. Meaning this, your spouse gets first crack at your best. Your spouse is to get the first shot, first one in line at your best. Your best time, your best energy, your best creativity, your emotion. They are to get the first and best chunk of you. Not your kids, not your boss, not your friends. Get the order straight. God, spouse, then kids, parents, work, and everything else in life. And let me just, another time out. We all jack this one up. Everybody is guilty, right? I am. My wife is. Sure, we've got, sure, 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 sure. But guess what? You can start over. (laughs) Start today. Start today. We, We all... Boy, sometimes I give Mary my worst. Matter of fact, now that I think about it, a lot of times, because I have to be all nice to everybody because I'm a pastor. And then I come home and I'm like, oh, blah, blah, (laughs) right? You do that too. You do. They don't get the best of you. They get the crummiest part of you. You saved it up all day. and you come home with it. Blah. So we've all jacked it up. That's why Jesus is so important because we're going to be like, oh, Lord, thank you for convicting my heart. And now let me go to my wife and say, I'm an idiot. But you knew that already, but I do want to say I'm sorry for being an idiot. And I want to try to be better. Let nothing come before your spouse, except God, of course, if your children are getting your best, which they probably are and your spouse is not getting your best, there's going to be trouble down the road. Now, you keep loving your children. Okay? Love them unconditionally, of course. I'm not saying love your children less. No, you can't do that. What I'm saying is that the very best way to love your children is to love your spouse. The very best way to train up your children, is to love your spouse. Besides, your kids are moving out someday, hopefully. And when they do, you don't want to be stuck with this person that you married a long time ago that you hardly know. But if that's the case, start today. Start dating. Start all over. Go back 30 years. Whatever. Getting relationships Priorities in the proper place matters. God, spouse, kids, everybody else, including parents. Leave father and mother and be united to your spouse. Did you catch that? Leave father and mother. Honor them, yes. Fourth commandment always applies. But if you are married and you are more concerned, this usually is for young couples, If you are married and you are more concerned with what your mom and dad want than what your spouse wants, again, watch out. If you are still holding on to the apron strings, and I don't know who wears aprons anymore, but if you are still attached to your parents, your marriage is going to be very, very challenging. If your parents haven't cut the apron strings, then you need to cut the apron strings because a marriage is to be a fresh start on life. Don't come into your marriage and say, well, this is the way I grew up, this is the way it has to be. No, 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 you fool. That just proves you haven't left mommy and daddy yet. Grow up, love your parents, but you also need to leave your parents and start a new thing with your spouse. Give you an illustration when I was growing up, um, I could tell you exactly what time we ate dinner every night. It was 6.30 on the dot. My dad worked hard. He was on his feet 11 hours a day, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. and so he would come home beat and he'd walk through the door and he'd unlace his work boots, he'd wash up and he'd sit down at the table and he was hungry. And since my dad was old school, I can pretty much tell you what we had for dinner each and every night. Meat, potatoes, bread. And if you want dessert, have some more potatoes. Actually, since I know my mom is watching, we did have chocolate pudding once in a while, and it was great, thanks, Mom. But it was pretty rare. Now, my wife grew up differently. Her mom was a baby nurse at Big Barn's downtown. Different shifts, different hours, Mary is the youngest of three girls and her family, her sisters are about 10 years older. So Mary grew up eating a lot of dinners with just her and her dad and the schedules were always different. They might have McDonald's at 5 o'clock on a Monday and then SpaghettiOs on Tuesday at 6 o'clock and then on Wednesday at 8 o'clock with mom. Now, are either of these dinner situations wrong? No, not at all. But Chuck would be fooling himself if after the honeymoon he came strolling through the door at 6.30 sitting and waiting for his meat and potatoes, right? I'd say, where's dinner? And she'd say, I don't know, where are you taking me? <laughs> and that's kind of funny. It is, it is. But here's, here's how weird we are. Here's how weird I am. Let's just say then I get to thinking, I guess Mary doesn't love me. Because I know my mom and dad. I know my mom made dinner for my dad and it was always waiting for him. Because my mom knew how hard my dad worked and that was the way she cared for him. Doesn't Mary respect me? Doesn't she think that I work hard? Doesn't she know how hard public preaching is? It's not easy! You see how even some dumb, like dinner expectations can cause disunity and even a little bitterness. And that's why marriages need Jesus. And that's why you have to become a new thing, a new decision-making body in your marriage. You have to leave the past, even if the past was really, really good. And you have to leave the past, especially if the past was kind of bad. Some people can't stand their parents Uh, Some may kind of even just despise their parents and yet, and yet, they bring their parents right on into their marriage. I'll give you an example. Someone says, oh man, my dad you know, what a jerk. He always made us go to church and and he would get us out of bed, man, and force us to go to Sunday school and all that each and every Sunday. Man, I hated it and so there's no way I'm going to do that to my kids. Hmm. You see that person is still holding on to dad. Instead of thinking independently, hmm, I wonder if this church would be a good thing for me and my kids and my family. Now they don't think about that. They just dismiss the whole idea because he's still controlled by his dad, his parents. See, when you get married, you leave father and mother. Not dishonor them, but you leave them to unite with your spouse. Step one, God. Step two, spouse, then children, job, boss, buddies, everybody else. Well, I am out of time, but I do want to look ahead with you to next week. Next week. Uh, I'm going to kick it up a notch and I'm going to be talking about the power of marriage. And so I'm going to be talking about commitments and feeling and love and taking action. I hope you can make it. I'm glad we're doing this because marriage really does matter. Let's pray. oh Lord Jesus, you are our one true love and you are the one who loves us best and who knows us best. And we thank you for coming into the world to save us and Because we'd be totally lost without you. So, Lord, I want to pray this morning for uh, there's people in the room who are listening who are just kind of aching for someone to do life with. And I pray that you would send someone who is after your own heart. Someone who will share in the joys and sorrows of life with. And I pray, Lord, for marriages where there might be some trouble right now. Because sin has gotten in the way and the order has gotten jacked up and Yeah, we need forgiveness, and we need a fresh start, and we need your great help. And so come, Lord Jesus, and bring your healing into these marriages. And I pray for all whose marriages have broken up. And uh, I ask that you would touch each of these broken hearts with your grace and grant to them hope for the future. Surround them with your love and the companionship of many friends. And, Lord Jesus, I pray for those who have lost a spouse to death, comfort them with your presence as they and as we all look forward to the reunion that awaits one day in heaven. We lift up to you our friend Neil McDaniel and all who are sick. We pray on behalf of the hungry and the hurting and the lonely. Have your spirit be with us and upon us as we move forward in our marriages and in all relationships. Help us to be salt and light in a world that needs your love. And Lord, cause us to do some good this week. Send someone our way who needs some encouragement. Help us to be who you call us to be. Help us to put you first. and That's the challenge because I like to put me first. So forgive us all. Help us to put you first and then help us to seek forgiveness and your mercy when we fail. It is in your beautiful name that we pray and continue with the prayer that you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven,